everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Reserve Tank presented by Progressive. Today, we're going to talk about how you can be a better road rider and also approach the topic of motorcycle education, because at the end of the day, we can all learn something new about ourselves as riders, no matter our skill level. Today, I'm joined by two motorcycle industry heavyweights whom I respect and admire very much for various reasons, which you'll find out. The first is my colleague in arms and co-host for this episode, Mr. Robert Pandia. His smooth, svelte voice is a fantastic for podcasts, and as such, he's the host of our sister show, Center Stand, a motorcycle industry podcast, which dives into the business end of motorcycles and the industry and how those professionals can positively affect change moving into the future. But more than that, he's an industry veteran who really understands where we've been, what we need to do to move forward as a community. And he's worked for a number of brands like Aprilia, Victory, Buell, Indian Motorcycles. And he's also organized track days with organizations like Sport Bike Track Time. He's hosted the Femme Moto Women's Only Track Event and has interfaced with members of the media and new riders alike. He's no stranger to those around him, and he does it with the gift of gab and the expertise to back it up. In the saddle today, our hot seat or our guest seat is legendary motorcycle instructor, author, and former pro AMA racer, Nick Einach. He's also the founder and lead instructor of Yamaha Champions Riding School, and he's a strong advocate for all riders, no matter what you ride, that learning how to ride never ends. Gentlemen, it is an honor and a pleasure to have you both on the show today. Robert, specifically to have you as a co-host, Nick. I bow down at the feet and boots and leathers that you wear. Uh, let's get going. Uh, gentlemen, how do we get riders more interested in learning? What's stopping hey, motorcycles? You know, before we start this whole thing, Sam, before we get going here, my friend, I don't appreciate the heavyweight thing. Look, it's a COVID-15. We're just on Zoom calls. We're not out riding as much as we used to. I don't appreciate the heavyweight comment. Okay, pal? I gained Jeez. 20 pounds in in COVID. I need to get new race leathers. I had to I had to have Heath <laughs> I had to have I had to have Heath Coffrin at Alpine Stars give me a suit this last weekend because I couldn't fit into my Motegi too. <laughs> you know, in in Sturgis, Nick, I, I'm, I'm sure you go to Sturgis every every year, right? That's your bag. Uh, but in Sturgis, uh, they sell those little chains that help link like your vest together right you know it's, it's like a little gap maybe you just need like a little expanding gap thing you should talk to your leather supplier about like the the covid zipper we want to call it that just a just a little bit of relief there so anyway that's how we're kicking this that's how we're kicking this thing off we're just going to make fun of each other the entire time <laughs> this is going to be a fantastic podcast ladies and gentlemen oh yeah nick nick's here Hi. how you doing nick things are good yeah good to be on here guys good to hook up and see Robert again and meet you, Sam. Very nice to meet you, man. Very, a lot of, a lot of respect. Um, I've learned a lot myself, uh, through reading a lot of your articles on motorcyclist magazine. Uh, I think through cycle world too. One of my favorites is, uh, the pace Robert mentioned that, uh, article in a, in our kind of our pre-production meeting, uh, about just having to set your mentality as a rider and how to divide track riding from street riding. If any of you who are listening have never read that article, uh, it is definitely a must. It's easily read. Uh, you can read it when you're on the toilet if you need to, <laughs> when you're doing your deep that's thinking. That's right. That's um, so that's good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's quite the recommendation, Nick. That you're good toilet reading. We'll see. Yeah. And then, guys, I backed it up with the Pace 2.0. 
I'd like you to look at that one as well. And I, I know people have. It's, it's been out there for a bit. And the Pace 2.0 was was adding what I'd learned and uh, since the, I wrote the Pace. And, you know, the Pace happened because it was a bunch of us road racers, all Willow Springs guys, and literally everyone had won class championships or club championships. It was guys like Lance Holst and Steve Michaelis, Andy Milton, Kent Kunitsugu, myself, uh, Jason Black. And so we'd all go riding Sunday mornings. And, of course, how fast could we go? Pretty insanely fast. We proved that at Willow. But we realized, boy, if we can control our straightaway speeds, and uh, keeps the group together, super fun, and then uh, just really enjoy those corners. That's how the pace came to be because, boy, you, if, you, if you're trying 100% on the street, uh, you're going to be going to the hospital uh, to either, either yourself or to visit, visit friends and family there. So that was the idea. And then Pace 2.0 got into a lot more trail breaking, a lot more of the, of the fine points because I never imagined the pace would be a riding techniques article. And that's how people started to take it. So I wanted to jump in with the 2.0. So I appreciate you guys. I mean, how long ago has that been? 89 or 88? So appreciate you guys bringing that up. Yeah, yeah, man, but that's, that speaks to the basics of riding, right? And that's the sort of thing that you guys teach. And before I, before I barnstormed in with my bit of comedy, Sam asked an actual intelligent question. So, uh, uh, yeah, I know, I know. Sam, will you, you, you want to you dust that one off for us again? I guess uh, <laughs> I'm actually a little – I'm amazed that I had an intelligent question. Um, <laughs> you, you are. Know, us, us, us young boys. Um, I guess the, the the thing that I've always kind of wrestled with, I think it's something our industries wrestle with a little bit too, and just uh, the community too, is you know how do we get riders uh, more interested in learning how to ride better? You know, and what's 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 stopping motorcyclists from doing that? Well, the there's a couple different mindsets, and and usually the people that. Uh, that we were around, our mindset of like, life is a constant improvement and it's a life learning. I'm a, I'm a life learner and I start something and I want to get good at it. And I think that if we can get that type of mentality across to more riders, and I guess if there are riders there sitting there thinking about schools or if they're worth it, et cetera, uh, understand that the, the basic push of a school is to teach you more in less time, to jump you over the pitfalls that so many of us had learning ourselves. And I think most of us, my age, I'm 59, uh, Robert's a little bit older. So most of us <laughs> have, learned, have learned these things on our own. Maybe our fathers taught us, in my case, fathers. And then, I, so I didn't uh, really improve much at all until I got to the magazines in 84 when I was 24 years old. At that point, I, I got around a group that was significantly better than I was. And uh, it really pushed me to, to say, oh my gosh, I might, I might not be good at this at all. So. That's, that's one state. It's changed the mentality of people that ride motorcycles into, I want to be a lifelong learner. Second, in my opinion, is to have them realize how good they could be, how safe they could be, and ultimately fast if they care about that. But if, um, if our listeners will realize that the staff at Champ School has more faith in your ability to ride a motorcycle well than you do. Right now, you think you are the rider you will always be. And I will guarantee you, if you could spend a day or two with us, uh, we will make you this rider that you always dreamed of. And if, if, if so, that's the second thing. If people will realize how good they can be uh, with the proper proper education, it's phenomenal. I mean, literally, if you want to go racing, if you want to go to go to Europe and ride in the Alps, if you want to run with those quick guys up the crest, then uh, you get this education, and that's where that's where you end up. I think one of the great points there, Nick, is the fact that even 
at the at the highest level of racership or or uh, you know a rider who's got just hundreds of thousands of miles behind him, all the people who are at that level still feel like they can learn, right? And I think that's one of the things that a lot of beginners don't understand is that that yeah, you can be an expert, but you can always learn. And the best experts are constantly learning. They're constantly, and, and maybe you're only learning at the at like an nth degree, uh, that tiny, tiny little bit that makes you just that tiny, tiny little bit faster or, or more confident or whatever. And I think that's one of the things that as an industry that we could all be doing uh, is communicating to those just coming in that this is a this is a learning process. It's constantly a learning process, and the most rewarding part of learning is when you first start. Those are the biggest steps you're going to take. It's actually the most exciting part, uh, which is why I just cherry pick, you know, teaching the beginner group because I can walk out of there feeling like a like a freaking hero because I mean, you know, you make people just get past that first hump and it's such a big stretch. So can, can you kind of speak to that lifelong learning that, that you probably instill? Yeah, you know, and you you all that are teaching new riders, you are heroes. I mean, you really are taking people off of out of a car uh, and then onto a motorcycle for the first time. So I have an enormous amount of respect for new rider teachers and coaches. I really do. And uh, we work and we're the only MSF tier three recognized school in the country because we want to support and help all that all the heroes who are bringing people onto bikes. So I have a lot of respect for them. It's a very difficult job and uh, there's a lot to it. So I don't you know, when you say think of yourself as a hero, you should. Uh, two thoughts on this idea, you know, if you think about uh, Valentino Rossi will not miss a minute of practice, even though he's got nine world championships. And that's a very good example of all of us I'm, that, that he always is always going to work on things. So that's one point. And the second point is this a guy named Ryan Burke. He's uh, he's one of my instructors and he's a six time now, six time MRA number one plate holder. I think 17 track records in Colorado over the last three or four years uh, came to the champ school seven years ago has won six number one plates in a row. And he had one year where he did not fall down and he did not get beaten. So mm, everybody wow. gets an idea of what we're talking about. And and Ryan Burke um, said to the class a couple schools ago, he says, I feel like I'm standing over this big barrel of riding skills and there's no bottom to it. There's I, there's no, I, I, have, I have a barrel that has no bottom. It's got all these riding skills in it. And that's what a proper education brings to him. And he says, I can reach into this barrel and I can try to use my brakes another three feet longer. I can reach into this barrel and try to get my head drop time better with my tip in. I reach into this barrel and I, I can I can realize that I can play with setups and come back to what works or what doesn't work. So that was that was the second thing I wanted to tell people is that here's a guy who a kid who was really quick, really quick, but couldn't win a championship. He came and got that little extra education with within our case with champ school. And uh, next thing you know, he's winning number one plates and undefeated and has this feeling of this is almost unlimited to me. So for some of you who have been riding a while and you've gotten a little bit bored, you can maybe plateaued uh, with the enjoyment, plateaued with uh, the pace. When you try to go quicker, you scare yourself. This is where this is where you come. You come and seek higher education from people that you trust. So that's a all, I mean, amazing points too. And like, I just started was writing a bunch of stuff down because as you, as you were even mentioning, uh, for people who are newer riders, like I taught the MTC course through total control for two years. And it was an amazing gift to be able to watch people start to learn and get on a motorcycle. And by the end of day two, they were just like, 
oh, I'm stoked. I'm good at this. And I was like, okay, yeah. But like, don't let your ego get above your skill set. Like, always recognize the fact that you're learning. You've literally graduated second grade. You got the rest of your educational career here that you have to do to really get to a better level. And I think that you have a lot of riders, too, that have this they have this ego. They think they're really good, but they lack humility or self-actualization or self-realization to be able to understand and criticize their own ability and then also get from people. Um, so if you're listening and that maybe sounds like you, I don't know if you can maybe recognize that that is you, but if it is you or someone tells that that is you, uh, start to recognize and work on how you can be a better rider. Yeah, there's a there's a sin, there's a Dunning Kruger effect or something. I think I've got that right. That uh, I heard from my extremely intelligent instructor, Mark Thompson. This guy's just a genius. Uh, just just retired as a Marine a Marine Corps major, and uh, just he he actually remembers things he reads, which I think is very impressive. But um, <laughs> I think the Dunning Kruger effect, where you you start something. And you think, man, I, I know quite a bit about this. I'm pretty good. And the further you get into it, the, the more you realize it, you don't know as much, and, and which is a very positive thing. And Sam, that's what you were telling your students is, hey, you, you think you've got it, this going pretty good, but uh, there's more to learn. And I think that's, that's a great thing for new rider coaches to say at the end, say, listen, we got you rolling. We you learned what the clutch and the brake and the shifter are. And now uh, seek some education uh, up the level and keep it rolling. Because I know uh, that, that we... We have never been able, we have never failed to reach a student. How about that? We've never failed to where a student goes left and said, man, I did not get what I paid for. This is a waste of time. And uh, that, that's, that's what we find in education. That if, if we do a good job, then the students who are, you know, obviously paying to be there and really into it can get taken away. So I'm glad you're saying that, Sam. That's a, that's a good way to go. Well, it's also a testament to you guys in, in the sense that you are able to, as teachers, having the right teaching techniques is incredible reaching people who don't fully understand it. Like when you talk about loading the tire and working the tire, if you can say that to somebody and they're like, I don't know what that means, but to, under, to be able to translate those physics and then they're like, oh, and then they can physically apply it. And then they start to physically understand it. Like there's something different than understanding the mental end or the theory of motorcycling versus the experience of it. And they're like, oh, well, I know this now. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't know how to apply it. <laughs> and and if you're overconfident, that's when you can get really hurt. Um, and I think we all try to like bridge that that gap for just like we don't want to see you get hurt. We want to create and make you a lifelong motorcyclist. You need to not rush into it. What's a big fear, Nick? This is a question for you. Like, what's a big fear that you find amongst motorcyclists or riders about like going to the track or something that we can dispel? And discuss that, you know, riding on a track is not necessarily about speed, but learning technique. Yeah, yeah I, I think that, you know, I, I think that's a, a interesting question because uh, I think the number one problem with going to a track day is you're coming into a group that is already uh, is already firmly built, and you're a newcomer to it, and you're you're worried about your acceptance, and that is a that's a fairly strong worry. Uh, even if you have done track days in the past, you're going to go to a new track day organization. What I want to tell people, uh, and I maybe want to speak to the track day organizers, uh, but for those of us who are thinking about going to a track day for the first time, you need to understand that the track day company will not be in business without you. They are very interested in making your life as good as possible. When you show up, 
they should be welcoming and they should be how's how's it going do you need help unloading here's going to be your coach have you been here before need help with your bike that's the way it should feel so if you don't as a as a as a participant if you don't get that feeling from the track day that might be the wrong track day for you all that are running track days that's got to be your gig because you want to build your track day into a sold out situation constantly add more days add more people so the fear i think is ending is, is going to a new group and not being accepted um we've all done track days uh, we know that when we show up it's, it's it's generally very very good very very positive and the groups that we work the most with and i i, I don't want to leave anybody out but we are we are strongly coordinated with a bunch of track days in america and it's n2 uh track uh, track days in california track time up in um the ridge uh xl in arizona uh why well, i don't leave anybody out evolve gt um boy just I'm, I'm sure i'm leaving some out and i apologize usba organization in, in utah we're strongly grouped with them in fact they send a lot of their people to our school to get uh, certified coaches becoming the 3c champion certified coach so we are when we are with those people we are saying listen you understand you're in the customer service business that happens to be on two wheels and if you get that as a track the organization good and if you get that as a participant good the second part to your question is the biggest fear that i hear is I'm afraid, I'm afraid to lean over any further. I'm afraid to lean over. I'm afraid to lean over. Yeah, and so if you want to talk about on track here, I'm afraid to lean over. And so when I lap with uh, Kyle Wyman and Chris Paris, two of my, you know, and Isaiah Davis, these three insanely skilled and fast winning instructors, younger than I am, when I lap with them, and, uh, and just before a race, I'll do some laps with those guys just to kind of get tuned up, and I'll say, so what? where am I slow? And they'll say, they won't say well everywhere because they're very sweet to me, but they will say you're you're holding the brake lever too long. You're too slow mid corner, and if if I let go of the brake lever earlier, I could make the corner with more lean angle. They're letting go of the brake lever earlier and making the corner with more lean angle. I'm also afraid of the lean angle that they're carrying. I'm not sure the tires will stick. So you know you guys are nodding your heads because you you share this. You share this, and so we have this really cool. Um, lean angle demonstration that we got from the Harley Davidson engineering group. And it's at certain degrees of lean angle, you can go faster around the same radius. Mm -hmm. So for all of you that are, are thinking about, man, I'm a little bit nervous of lean angle. Uh, you're, you're in that, you're in a group that includes me. And, uh, we have a couple of tricks at the school to, to increase our lean angle, uh, and get that thing rolling. Cause I think that's the number one scared thing I see. I'm coming to see you because that is exactly <laughs> what I was running into this weekend yeah. at uh, Streets of Willow. I was really pushing yeah. my street triple and I was like, God, this feels great. This feels good. And I was like, I feel like I, I know I, I know I can get this bike over more. But my my body was just like I got my body off more and I was like, I can sacrifice lean angle and body lean. But yeah. I was like, no, I want to go faster. And then I, I followed behind Brian Hertzfeld. And I was like, yo, he's ripping. And I was like, oh, he's leaning over more. I can lean over more. But my intrepidation too was I was on these Road Smart 3s, which I know have that grip. I have more of that grip, but they weren't like the Q3s that I was used to. So I was just like, ah. So 
Yeah, if you're having a tire debate when you're going halfway through the corner, Sam, your mind is not in the right place. Okay, brother? Not, it. not, I, at, not all. at all. You're not, you know, you're, it's not about wearing out the chicken strips. I mean, the, the thing that I learned in running the Discover the Ride program at IMS shows is that um, it's all about confidence, right? And um, that's all learning is, is just becoming more confident in the next step and the next step and the next step. And um, that that speed of confidence can happen really fast at the beginning. And then you kind of hit like a, a plateau, as, as you said. Um, but, um, but chipping away at the negatives that pull away from your confidence, right? That um, uh, That is exactly the sort of thing that, that on the street, that when you're going through the, and particularly on the street, you're going through a corner and then the bike gives you like a weird wiggle or there's like a tar strip in front of you. And, and then your brain starts processing. I should, if I had spent 20 extra dollars on those Q3s, then I would be right. able to stick on this tar strip instead of actually looking through the corner and, and ha having the confidence to do so. And I think that that's the single most rewarding thing um, when you really distill down what motorcycle training is all about, uh, is to is to get that confidence in there. And I think Nick, that that as an instructor, when you see somebody leave the track, you um, it's like you can literally see their leathers like inflated with confidence. It's not just hamburgers, mm -hmm. Sam. Sometimes it's confidence, <laughs> right? And um, but you can you can see that. Uh, and I and I think that as an industry, we could do a better job of of saying that that's what you want, right? So, are there? I'll, I'll ask an industry question since I'm hogging the mic here. Um, Nick, can you point to obviously your school does an amazing job, right? You're the best in the world. I get it, right? What other what other brands, what programs are you seeing out there where like confidence is the uh, is the output? You know, uh, what do you what do you see out there that that another rider who maybe does isn't like, you know, a uh, uh, champion school adjacent uh, might be able to to latch on to to say, like, this is where I'm going to get some more confidence. Yeah, that's a great question, Robert. And I think um, the beautiful thing is the motorcycle will prove to you what's right or wrong. It'll prove to you and the motorcycle yeah. will tell you what's right or wrong. And so that yeah. there's there's very rarely yeah. that that you have to say, boy, I don't know if this is right or wrong. It'll feel right or wrong. And so if if you're a, a perfect example will be, for instance, if if you have not, if you've not heard about or not yet embraced trail braking, which is trailing brake pressure into the corner, leaving your brake light on past the turn in, uh, just literally one, two, four, five percent of brakes past the tip in, depending on your speed and pace and all those things. If you've not yet embraced trail braking, when you start to trail brake, just leaving your brake light on past the turn in, the bike will go, yep, that's how I was designed to be ridden by the expert who designed me. The expert rider who designed me and checked off these boxes of rake and trail numbers and swing arm droops and all those things, trail braked, um, he or she trail braked. So the bike was designed by that rider. So when you emulate those tactics, the bike goes, yeah, got it. I'm going to steer here. I'm going to tighten my steering geometry. I'm going to load my front tire. I'm going to control my speed into the corner. So that's a perfect example of, of when confidence starts to come up. If you've um, if you've told, been told to not cover the brakes in traffic, in other words, ride through traffic like this, here's the brake lever, and you're riding through traffic like this, if you've been told to do that instead of what you want to do, which is trip, cover the brake lever, ride through traffic covering the brake lever, through crowded intersections, through paddocks at racetracks, uh, crowded freeways, riding like this, accelerating but with your fingers out, 
if you've been riding like this and you're uncomfortable, it's because you've been told a technique that puts you a half a second away from any serious braking. So you'll learn, oh, I want to cover the brake lever. So then you start riding through traffic covering the brake lever and you get what you just mentioned, confidence. You're like, okay, at least I know I'm near my brake lever and I can go to the brake when I need to. So um, if, if, you were to, if you were to practice your braking correctly, and that is rolling off onto the brake, smooth squeeze initial to load the fork springs and the fork springs get loaded, then the tire squishes out and loaded and then build brake pressure. When you practice it correctly, then you start to make stops very confidently. So as, as we pursue, and all of us, I mean we, all of us in the industry uh, pursue correct teachings, we see confidence rise. And when a student comes in with, with poor teachings, like for instance, a student comes in, learn from their uncle, use the rear brake only, the front brake will flip you over the bar, whatever. use the rear brake only. When they start to master the front brake, all of a sudden confidence goes through the roof. And so if all of you listening and all of you out there, if you or someone you know is not confident in accelerating a motorcycle and riding a motorcycle at speeds, uh, freeway speeds, et cetera, they don't need to work on acceleration. They need to work on braking. Because if you yeah. put one thing in your brain, braking builds confidence. And I'll, I'll finish up with 100% of the students that come to any program we do, whether it's a four-hour school or a two-hour school, any uh, two-hour, two-day school, any um, student that comes to our school will stop their bike mid-corner dozens of times before they leave. And, of course, that brings confidence. Mm-hmm. That was one. That was one of the things that gave me the most confidence when I was started really focusing on becoming a better rider about six years ago when I got back into motorcycling. Anyone can go fast in a straight line. Anybody can apply the throttle quickly and and aggressively, but that feeling of braking is is it can be scary. But once you learn that feel, and it's like it it's also just keeps you super safe. And not to be freaked out by it or to like lock up your brakes. Um, yeah, and Sam, if I can jump in, that's that I was not happy about the pace to the pace. I wrote the pace. I said you'll rarely see a brake light flicker all day, and people took that to say don't use your brakes. When I meant to say we're not soaking the throttle on the straightaways. And so the pace 2.0 came in and said, listen, everybody, I was wrong about writing that. I want to be clear about that. I am very happy to reverse my outlook because I am not the world champion. And I'm not the person who designs the motorcycles. Uh, so what I'm glad to keep revising the school, tweaking the school, tweaking my. So in the pace 2.0, I said, listen, everybody, that was jacked up. We are using our brakes a lot. We're using our brakes 100% more going downhill than uphill. So I'd really try to get that across in the pace 2.0. And Sam, you know that that confidence that you're talking about coming back into the sport and mastering the brakes, that. That is what we're trying to chase. So if we could change one thing in the industry, it'd be it'd be the people to realize the more we see the brake light, the better the industry is going to get. Not only will you ride more safely, you'll turn a quicker lap time, which is pretty cool. And also, everybody, use both of your brakes. They're there for a reason. I don't care if you ride a cruiser or a sport bike. You, you, most people will dominate one brake over the other, and there are some instances when it's appropriate. But really utilize the tools and get comfortable developing that muscle memory so that you can be an effective rider. Go fast, go slow, and be smooth. Robert, you got to have something to say. You're way too quiet. I am. I am. I'm just, I'm just, I was just, I was just, uh, I was bathing in the Zen that is uh, uh, Sam's uh, advice there. That's some good stuff, buddy. I mean, the, the, the one thing I 
I want to say on the podcast here is like, if you're listening to this show, you, you give a crap about motorcycling, you care. Right. And especially if you've gotten to this end of the podcast and listened to all the stupid jokes and made it through that stuff, then you like being around motorcyclists and listening to that stuff and, and that sort of thing. And I would just say to you as a listener, um, make it a goal in 2021 to be an ambassador to bring one person to a track day, to bring one person to a training session, to bring one person into a dealership and to be part of that, that uptick in confidence, to give them that little bit of education that they need. Um, you know, I mean, certainly I haven't been to one of Nick's schools because um, the wooden wheels on my race bike were not, didn't follow safety protocol. You know, they wanted Oak, they were Ash and, you know, so I know I got old equipment, but you know, it is what it is. So, um, but I guarantee you that if I, if I go into Nick's school at any level of, um, of experience, you're going to be welcome. And I think that's the thing that a lot of new riders and a lot of people new to motorcycling um, assume that you have to you have to earn a certain amount of credos, you know, uh, to 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 be part of the family, and that's not the case. Um, you're already part of the family. You're on you're, you're on two wheels. Doesn't matter what color it is. Doesn't matter how fast it goes. Doesn't matter how new it is. You're already in the family, and it's just a matter of like walking up to somebody, saying hi, and starting to talk. So I hope we got some good ambassadors out there to you know kind of uh, uh, bring more riders in and and just elevate all of us in our game. Nick, when is your uh, when's the next uh, when's the next Yamaha Champions Riding School event? No, I'm also curious. When do you guys come back to Southern California? Yep, I'm uh, flying out tomorrow to uh, Arizona, and so I'll be we'll be one day in Phoenix, and then driving down to Indy Motorsport Ranch south of Tucson uh, for two days. So just got back from Florida yesterday, so we're we're jamming and we're going well. So I'm I'm we're pretty much at it. Our 21 schedule is almost out. We'll be to Button Willow uh, once or twice, and Streets of Willow once or twice. I don't remember offhand, but we'll be there spring, and then maybe midsummer for sure. Uh, but we have a fleet of 40 motorcycles in Indy Motorsports Ranch, which is Wilcox, Arizona, and we have a fleet of 40 motorcycles back in New Jersey. So, um, Robert, you can leave your 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 stuff at home and come ride our stuff. And we that's good. Get- I got I got termites in my wheels anyway, so you know that's that's probably a good call. <laughs> Understood. So that that's that that's the beauty of it, and and we can also you can also bring your own motorcycle. So we'll have a mix. Some people say, man, I'd like to take the school on my bike, and some people say, I'll leave my stuff home. I'll come ride your bike. On the end, at the end of every second day, everybody rides our Yamahas. Uh, we have Alpenstar leathers for you to rent, boots, gloves, back protector, and we have Arai helmets to rent. So you could almost come in with your underwear and socks, and we take care of you. Uh, that's easy stuff. And the, uh, the, the we're trying to make the barriers to entry very low. We have a bunch of different programs at different prices, but every program covers these four core champions habits that we think are such a big deal. And as you probably have noticed, I know y'all are super busy, but uh, we're on Facebook with a lot of our core techniques on Facebook. We are we are giving it away because we are not happy with the way the industry is going, and we're not happy with the static uh, growth of street bikes. And we believe that if we can get the riders a little more information, they will stay in the in the sport uh, better. I have to say, I, I I manage most of IMS's 
uh, social channels, and I 100% love everything that you guys put out. I watch every single video. It's incredibly well done. It's hyper consumable, and you learn little things that just before you even go out on your bike, you'd be like, I can practice that. I can practice that and not hurt myself, and it's a good thing to put in my head. I'm going to go do it. Um, so I really, I really do commend you guys for putting that kind of content out, and it's it's massive and awesome for Thanks. new riders and experienced riders. I appreciate that. You know, it, it was a it was definitely a decision on our point. You know, do we do we keep promoting our school and say come in, we'll tell, teach you the secrets, or do we put this information out there? And as we saw, no one else doing it. I don't I don't see other people as uh, concerned enough about the growth of our industry. I, I'm really upset about it, and this is my career. This is. Where I met my wife, all my best friends are road racers or street riders, all, all of them, and, and I just like the way motorcyclists are. And so we didn't see it growing, and we thought, boy, if we can get a little more information to the new rider, the new rider shows desire, they go to an MSF or a Total Control or some other school, new riders, they get their license, and we want to feed them as much information as we can to jump them over that learning curve that can be very painful. Some, some riders don't survive the learning curve. The low spots of the learning curve, they quit. And uh, we found that yeah. riders quit because they get hurt and they, they crash themselves out, but also because they scare themselves enough times. It is no longer fun. And so that's uh, looking Craigslist uh, today and you'll find, you know, a five-year-old motorcycle, uh, 1,500 miles. All, I'm selling it with all my gear, extra oil filter. That rider is no longer, no longer having fun. So we thought, you know what, let's get all this information out on Facebook. Let's start giving it away because we got to improve new riders staying in the industry and that's a big push of ours and mine personally and sam this this uh the readability of it and the the uh digestibility of it is on a guy named Lemore sure he's our marketing guy and Lemore uh and josh siegel uh david bover bover three other of our owners those those guys weren't my instructors they weren't like mark challenger and all these guys those guys were were people that came to our school and then when when the school ended at Miller Motorsports Park in, in 2013, those guys got together and said, your school is not ending. We believe in it so much. So this Lamore Sure guy, man, he's not only a friend of mine, but he's the marketing genius behind a lot of really big companies. And he works for us for pennies and he's one of our owners. So that's that's who we have behind us. Your mentality, I believe, is the same as Robert's. Is this, we, yeah. we have to do more. We have to offer more. This industry has to like be way more welcoming um of everyone and inclusive of everyone um I have, we, can't I have be, we can't be chicken we can't be chicken that's what it is right sometimes we're sometimes as an industry we're scared to fail as a riding student that's our biggest thing is we're going to be scared to fail um uh businesses that start out that are scared to fail are yep. going to fail mm. right you have to be bold you have to be that sort of thing and and so that's that's what uh, that's what drives all of us, and that's really drives our interest in in motorcycling. I tell you what, for me, a personal goal, 2021, Sam, I want to go do a track day with you. Number one, because I want to learn. I'm going to learn from Nick. I'm going to get I'm going to get better, right? You know, uh, I'll go from steel uh, tires to actual rubber. That'll be good. Uh, yeah, that'll be good stuff. Uh, and then number two, I want to see how you fit your fedora inside your helmet, Sam. <laughs> I. I mean, I got to see that. I don't know. I don't know how that works, but I want to see that happen. And I'm not going to be satisfied unless I see that live. So hot, hot, hot glue on top. <laughs> it's full tuck. Okay. Um, so it's, it's, I have, I have, 
I also I'm right there with you. That's a big commitment of mine. I have two young guys in my building. Uh, one bought a GSXR 1000, and I keep making fun of him for it because it's like hot red, and he's a new rider, and I I want to get him to a track. It is a goal of mine. And then this other kid got a Daytona 675 uh, because he upgraded from a Duke 390, and he, they're both very patient riders. They're both not hotheads. And I asked them before this interview too. I was like, what? What's your fear about going to the track? What's that? What's that thing? And he's like, I don't want to drop my bike. I'm like, don't worry. That's yeah, not. Yeah, you could drop Nick. Got you. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Robert, Robert, you have you have a fun question that you close out center stand with. Um, pitch it. Pitch okay. it to both of us as we're as Nick and I are, are the guests. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna flip flip it around on you guys. All right, so uh, uh, Nick, uh, if you were standing in front of the entire motorcycle industry, people who work in this industry on a national level, and uh, you could say one thing to them quickly, what is the thing you would say to this motorcycle industry to make it better for all of us? Are we being cute or are we being blunt? We're being blunt. We're being blunt. This is this is this is the power that we are wielding right now. Well, a couple things, but one of them because because I I'm such a believer in riding technique. You know, I I joined the magazine as a street rider, and I got to hang out with Eddie Lawson. He became a friend of mine. We did a lot of articles together, so I got to hang out with the world's best, literally four-time world champion, and it got to rub off on me what he was doing. And then when I when I joined the Freddie Spencer School, Freddie hired me when he when he la launched the school. He hired me before he launched it to help him, and I was hanging out with Freddie Spencer, a three-time world champion. So I got to hang out with uh, some some riders that were best in the world, and their techniques and ideas and thoughts rubbed off on me. And it, it, I had a good racing career using it, and still still do still do well on a race bike. So I re I'm a real believer in te in uh, riding technique properly taught, and so that's what what my comment would be. And here's here's what it is that um, new rider schools are sold out. There's waiting lists uh, pre-COVID. I've got a friend of mine uh, who ran six rider schools. They were sold out. But a very, a relatively small percentage of the new riders who graduate from the two-day uh, plus couple nights of school go on to buy a bike, get a license, and continue. So I would like to address that. I'd like to somehow get that new rider experience improved. And now whether the new riders leave the school without enough confidence to know they can survive on the street, which of course is the curriculum's problem, the coach's fault in some ways, or whether the, the program is too short to get the ideas across that they need or whatever else it is. But in my opinion, in my belief, in my view and theory is that we cannot grow an industry if we cannot retain the new members of an industry. And if we're hurting the new members or scaring the new members or not preparing them properly, then that's on us. So I don't know if we need to, uh, I don't know why we need to rush riders through a new riders course, whether it's two weekends in a row, four days, so that we feel like we can introduce some of the things that have to happen. Trail braking has to happen. Uh, we have to learn to use the bikes past the tip in. Covering the brake lever has to happen. Uh, how to use the throttle brakes and neutral throttle based on your radius has to happen. We only change our speed to change our radius mid-corner. That has to happen. So those three things off the top of my head, um, which I think about a lot, have to be put into new riders programs before we can truly grow our industry. So that's what I would probably uh, talk about. There's some other subjects 
but that's what I'm most interested in, uh, riding technique, riding training, and how we can get new riders better trained so when they leave the new rider schools, they want to buy a bike because they know they can survive on the street. Great. Um, if I were standing in front of a group of riders, Robert, instead of the industry, the, the industry. industry, I'm going to say a, a big group of riders, I would say, put your ego aside. You're not as good as you think you are. Go read Nick Inotch's The Pace. <laughs> I'll keep it short. <laughs> Tight. That's tight, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. And I think uh, uh, our producer, Lee, uh, Leah, uh, mentioned that there's going to be a link to uh, both of the articles, right, online. Um, we'll, we'll do that so, uh, so we can read through on that and I'll get on the same page again. Thanks, what, Sam, what for letting me be part of the, the uh, shindig today. Oh, this was, this was a fantastic conversation, gentlemen. I really appreciate having both of you on and, of course, having you on as a co-host there, Robert. Uh, remember, everybody, there's a bunch of links down below. Uh, if you got questions, we should have the answers. And if we don't, we'll find them for you because we are here to help you uh, here at IMS. So uh, until next time, everybody, thank you uh, to our guests. Thank you to everyone on our production team. Remember, uh, the Progressive IMS Outdoors series, it's our new series. It's coming up. It's a new tour. It will be happening in 2021. We're moving kind of into the spring, summer, fall. There's going to be a lot of great things to experience. It's not in a convention center anymore. It's going to be outdoors. We got a lot of things planned. We should be announcing that tour sometime at the beginning, middle, end of December. Just keep an eye on the month of December from news from us. Make sure you subscribe to continuetheride.com. If you're interested in more of the motorcycle industry stuff, remember Robert has a podcast called Center Stand, a motorcycle industry podcast for all industry professionals. That's really rad. Um, follow us on social media. Check out IMS Rides. It's coming up. We've got Inside the Garage to teach you some motorcycle mechanic stuff. And until next time, everybody, if I missed anything, who cares? We'll be back. We're not going anywhere. We love you all. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Remember, ride smart, ride safe, and we'll see you out there on the road. Mm -hmm.